0: Today, we are talking about Araminta Harriet Ross, also known as Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was born in Dorchester County, Maryland, somewhere around about 1820 to 1822, and she was born in Maryland into slavery. Her parents were Ben Ross, that was her father, and her mother was Harriet Ritt Green. Both of her parents were also enslaved on two separate plantations, a long distance from one another, actually. However, they managed to have a total of nine children, so Harriet had eight siblings. Growing up in slavery, of course, was a very difficult life, and Harriet even saw some of her sisters be sold off to other distant plantations, which fractured the family and brought her a sense of grief and pain that probably remained with her for most of her life. Also in slavery, she endured a lot of violence, violence that was typical of being a slave at the time. She was frequently, as a young girl, lent out to other homes in the area to do domestic work. And this is when she was very young, maybe as young as like five years old. And often she would get five lashes before breakfast, and from those lashes, she had permanent scars. Some of the physical abuse that she endured also resulted in, according to some records, her having a broken pelvis, which meant that she would never have any children of her own through direct childbirth. At about 12 years old or so, she was actually also hit in the head by a slave overseer with a two-pound weight. She was on an errand to the store to pick up something and that overseer was chasing after a slave who was trying to run away and there are different accounts about how this happened. One account might have been that she was walking in the door as the overseer was really trying to hit the male slave with the two pound weight but instead it hit Harriet in the head and as a result of that she had brain damage and lifelong difficulties. So those difficulties were in the form of permanent seizures, headaches, and a form of narcolepsy, sudden sleeping episodes. And in addition, she had some very intense dreams that were the result of this head injury, and she later referred to those as religious experiences and as God really speaking to her and directing her life and showing her what was next. In this kind of a setting, It's certainly not surprising to think that Harriet would want to get away. And in Maryland, slavery was kind of interesting because part of Maryland was slaveholding and other parts not so much. So there were many black people, about half as many, who were free people who had never been enslaved. And then there were the enslaved. So she did have an opportunity to meet with people who were blacks that were not enslaved and who were working in various ways and sometimes came to the plantation to do their work so she had a chance to hear about their lives and to hear about what life was like in other places so in about 1849 is when she actually escaped from slavery and prior to her actual escape her first attempt was with two of her brothers however they got some distance away And the brothers kind of lost heart. They became fearful, and they wanted to go back. So being the leader that she was, she did not send her brothers back through the woods and back through all of that territory alone. She accompanied them, went back to the plantation. I'm sure they suffered their various whippings and so on as a result of it. And then later, she set out on her own and escaped on her own in 1849. So she went from Maryland all the way up to Philadelphia in Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania was a free state. Once she got to Pennsylvania, however, she was concerned about the rest of her family. It was not enough for her to just save her own life. But as, again, a true leader and very much a family person, she wanted her family to also be spared from slavery. Now, one of the things I should mention is that her father, Ben Ross, was actually freed at 45 years old because this was a stipulation in the will from a previous owner that his then current owners actually honored. Now, although Harriet's mother and her children also had a similar stipulation in the will of their owners, their owners refused to honor it. So her mother and her siblings remained in slavery. Now, in about 1844, before she made this escape, she actually married a free Black man whose name was John Tubman. That's how she got the name Tubman. What was interesting is he was not too excited about all of her attempts to escape. So when she escaped in 1849, she decided to go back and try to rescue her parents, try to rescue her siblings, and she also wanted to rescue Her husband, even though he wasn't enslaved, he was still living in the slave area. However, when she got back to Maryland, her husband refused to come with her. And in fact, he had actually found another wife. Harriet had to move on with her life and to then go on through the Underground Railroad to rescue as many people as she could. So from the time of her escape, over a 10-year period, she made approximately 19 trips and freed anywhere from 70 to 300 people through the Underground Railroad. And because she successfully brought people through the woods and through bodies of water, she came to be known as Moses, a black Moses who was bringing her people to freedom. And she was very proud of the fact that She never lost a person on any of these journeys. Everyone who went with her through the Underground Railroad made it to safety and to freedom. Now, there was a challenge that happened in about 1850, because in 1850, a law was put into place that was called the Fugitive Slave Law. Prior to 1850, if you made it to a northern state, then you were free and you didn't have to go back to slavery. But in 1850, there was a law made that was forcing the Northerners to actually return slaves back to their Southern owners. And so when this happened, she had to change some of the dynamics of the Underground Railroad. So she couldn't just go to Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania wouldn't be safe anymore. So she added Canada onto her stop. And it was specifically Catherine, Ontario, because slavery was not allowed in Canada and had never been a part of that culture. So this meant for significantly more difficulty traveling at least 100 miles more, probably more than that, and going further north into colder weather. Because most of these expeditions were done in the wintertime to ensure that less people would be around to detect their movements, and to actually recapture them. Later on in her life, she managed to get her parents out, a number of her siblings, a niece, and a niece's children, when she heard that they were about to be sold further south. So she had her family in New York because she had moved to Auburn, New York. An abolitionist there actually sold her a small plot of land on the outskirts of Auburn, New York, and that was in 1859. And the abolitionist was Senator William H. Seward, and she purchased about 25 acres on her property. She actually not only lived there with her family, but in her later years, she also built a home for the aged because she was very concerned about people in their later years and having the ability to take care of them. And she also donated a parcel of her land to the African-American Episcopal Church in Auburn as well. So she was a very generous person, even though she herself always remained very poor and didn't have a lot of resources. Her friends donated and gave her money and lent her money for her various um, activities and expeditions. I think it's remarkable that she went back and forth to the South under such dangerous circumstances and brought so many people back. During the Civil War, she also worked for the Union Army. She was very adept at gaining information and finding out what was going on. And she discovered where the Southern troops were going to be located and what they were doing and what their plans were. So she was kind of a spy, if you will. She also worked as a nurse and also as a cook during the Civil War. And one of her most famous actions and escapades in the military was that along with military resources from the Union Army, they descended upon a town in South Carolina, and she actually freed more than 700 slaves from that expedition and that raid. That's amazing. Possibly 300 people through the Underground Railroad, and then 700 in this one incident. That meant more than 1,000 people freed while she was operating and was, by all records, the first woman, black woman, to serve in the Civil War. Later, in 1869, she married a Civil War vet whose name was Nelson Davis. He was probably about 20 years her junior. However, he was ill, and his illness is ultimately what killed him about 20 years into the marriage. However, in 1874, they did adopt a baby girl whose name was Gertie. There's not much known about what all happened to to Gertie, but they did have that one daughter. After her husband died, she was able to get a pension because of his service, which was $8 a month. But she kept pressing with the help of other people because she had served in the military herself. So later, she was actually able to get $20 a month because of her own service. And this was amazing and was probably the only time in her life when she had regular income for the activities that that she was involved in. So, in recent years, there's been a lot to celebrate her life. We know that a movie has just come out this year that was called Harriet, and it was featuring the actress Cynthia Erivo. And we know that at the Oscars, Cynthia Erivo sang her very famous song, Stand Up. And so that was another way of making the story of Harriet visible, and popular in today's time. In Harlem, in New York, there's a statue of Harriet Tubman facing south. And this makes sense because she made so many expeditions to the south that it makes sense that indeed she would be facing in that direction. Also, recently in the Maryland State House, two bronze statues were commissioned and put in the state house. One is of Frederick Douglass also enslaved in Maryland, and then escaped. And then Harriet Tubman. So in the Maryland Statehouse, where the law was written to free slaves, both of them are there facing one another. We also know that the $20 bill, there's been a move to replace the likeness of Andrew Jackson with the likeness of Harriet Tubman. And although it hasn't materialized yet, it's expected that that change will take place by 2026. So we see that she had a very unique and a very profound life. And I should mention that later in her life, because of that head injury, she ended up having to have brain surgery at the Boston, Massachusetts General Hospital. But you know, In spite of those limitations, she didn't let anything stop her from her mission or what she was called to do. And later, when she died of pneumonia, and that was on the 10th of March, 1913, and she was somewhere between 91 and 93 years old, she was in the senior home that was on her property in Auburn, New York. And ultimately, she was buried with military honors, In the Fort Hill Cemetery in Auburn. I also want to mention that there is an artist who is an actor in Albuquerque whose name is Karen Jones Meadows and Karen Jones Meadows does a one-woman show featuring the life of Harriet Tubman. It's called Harriet's Return. It was performed at the African-American Performing Arts Theater in Albuquerque, and you can contact them if you would like to invite Karen Jones Meadows to come to your town to perform that show. I can tell you I saw an early excerpt of it, and it was phenomenal, incredibly moving, the way that she captures the spirit of Harriet. So it's definitely worth pursuing and definitely worth watching. The reason I'm including Harriet Tubman in Black History Month is that here was a woman who had such strong leadership. She thought about others, not just herself. And she led so many others to freedom and to safety, putting herself multiple times in danger. And she was not afraid to die in order to fulfill her mission. So what I say to everyone out there today, what are you willing to do To fulfill your mission. And if it requires the ultimate sacrifice of death, are you even willing to accept that? So powerful leaders like Harriet, they inspire us. So go forth and be inspired and stand up for what you believe. leadership resources.